a uh, husband and wife were giving each other the cold treatment, the silent treatment. And they weren't talking to each other. However, the next morning, the husband had to travel to Chicago on a business trip. He wanted to get up 5 a.m. in the morning, but he did not want to break the silence and lose the fight. So he writes a note on his wife's pillow. Please wake me up 5 a.m. in the morning. (laughs) The next morning he gets up 9 a.m. He missed the flight. He's all upset. He turns around, he looks on his pillow. There is a note. 5 a.m., get up now. The idea of a husband and wife communicating is something which is hinted at the very beginning of this week's Torah portion. The Torah says that the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, who is the holiest Jew on the holiest day of the year, enters into the holiest place on earth, into... the Kodesh HaKadoshim, the Holy of Holies. On this day, the Kohen Gadol goes to Mikvah five times. He has to immerse five separate times in the Mikvah. On this day, he has to wash his hands ten separate times. He changes his garments five different times. From the gold garments, the eight garments which have within it gold, to the white garments, back to the gold garments, back to the white garments, back to the gold garments. And finally, at the end of the day, he goes back to his wife and family. Says the Torah in verse number 6, V'chiper badoi uva'ad beisoi. On this day, the high priest should atone for himself and for his house. Who is his house? Says the Mishnah in the tractate of Yuma, in the very beginning. What is the meaning of Beisai, his house? Zu Ishtoi, this is his wife. He has to atone for himself. And on this day, in addition to keeping the entire Jewish people in mind and carrying the load and the yoke of the iniquities of the entire nation, in particular, he must keep his wife in mind. So much so, says the Talmud, that the Koyin Gadol, the high priest, must be married. If he's not married, he cannot conduct the services of this day. So on one hand, we see the importance of marriage. The high priest, the holiest Jew, is married. Yet on the other hand, it's interesting to note that even though the Talmud requires him to be married on this day of Yom Kippur, however, It's only on Yom Kippur that he must be married. But the day before or the day after, if the Koyin theoretically is not married, 
he's allowed to do the service in the Holy Temple. Why on Yom Kippur must he be married? Furthermore, the Torah tells us that seven days before Yom Kippur, he separated from his wife and he went into the temple to be in seclusion, meditation, preparation for the day of Yom Kippur. And he would go through the laws of Yom Kippur and the service of the day, which was very intense. So the entire week he is preoccupied preparing for Yom Kippur. Yet, he has to be married. And on the day of Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the year, which he's surely not home, on this day we are told he must be married or he may not do the service in the Beis HaMikdash. What do we see from here? That the mere fact that the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, is married, this brings a completion and an elevation to the status of the Kohen Gadol. This makes him complete. And therefore, because he is complete, he's allowed to do the service on this day. In contrast, if he was not married, therefore he would be incomplete, he would not be fit and worthy to do the service on the holiest day of the year, which is the day of Yom Kippur. Now, how do we understand this? How do we analyze this? On the level of, of Talmudic thought, which is called the level of pilpul, there are two ways to look at this responsibility. There are two ways to look at this trajectory or the, the category of the, the koyin being married. On one hand, we can say that this is part of the mitzvah, part of the din, part of the law of the service of Yom Kippur. That in order to do the service on Yom Kippur, the koyin, God of the high priest, needs to be married. Or do we say that the law is in particular regarding the koyin gadol? That it's a law in the koyin gadol. That being that on this day, the koyin gadol needs to be in a status of perfection, a higher level of holiness and beauty and perfection. Therefore, he needs to be married. So, is it a law in the service of the day, or is it a law in the personality of the koyin who is performing the service? So, is it, as we call, chefza or gavra? Is the focus on the person or is the, uh, is the focus on the reality of the service? What's the difference? What's the nafkemina, as they say? The difference is that on the day of Yom Kippur, there were many other services that the Kohen Gadol performed on that day. In addition to the unique service of Yom Kippur. For example... On the day of Yom Kippur, the Kohen Gadol brought the, the daily sacrifice known as the Tamid, which is brought every day of the year, the morning sacrifice, the evening sacrifice. The Kohen brought Ketores, incense, that was done every day of the year. There was the responsibility to clean out the, the menorah and to prepare the menorah and to light the menorah. This was a daily routine, a daily service in the base of Mikdash. It was done also on Yom Kippur. And therefore, if we say that the concept of the koyim being married is associated with 
the service of the day, then one can argue that only when the Kohen was doing the unique service associated with Yom Kippur, then he has to be married. But if for some reason the wife was not alive when he performed the other service, like the morning sacrifice or the evening sacrifice, it would still be kosher. But if we say that the law of being married is associated with the Kohen Gadol himself, that on this day, everything the Kohen Gadol does is done in an elevated manner, and the way he's able to be on this stature of perfection and elevation is because of the fact that he is married, then regardless of what he's doing, he must be married. Regardless if he's performing the avoidah, the service of Yom Kippur, or if he is performing the avoidah, the service, which is a daily service being done on Yom Kippur, he's required to be married under all circumstances. The Rambam, Paskins, the Rambam learns in chapter 1 of the laws of Yom Kippur, he says like this, when it comes to even the other services that the high priest performs on this day, says the Rambam, all is performed with a Kohen Godel that is married. Now the word married here is extra. He didn't have to say that. He could have said all the various obligations of the day is performed by the Kohen Godel. But he adds the word Nasui, married, implying that it's not associated with the avoida of the day. It's not associated with the service of the day, but rather it's associated with the Kohen Gadol himself. That the fact that he has to be married is a deen, is a law within the actual stature and obligation of the Kohen Gadol. After all this, the question begs to be answered. Why is it so important that the Kohen Gadol is married? Why is it so important that on this day, the holiest day of the year, when one would think one's mind should be focused on spirituality and holiness, and not to think about physical material things, why on this day does the Tere tell us that one of the integral aspects of the service of the Kohen Gadol and the, the stature of the Kohen Gadol is that he has to be married? And this goes back to the original statement of the Gemara that when the Torah tells us that he goes on that day into the Holy of Holies to pray on his behalf and on behalf of his house, says the Gemara, this is his wife. Now one can ask a very simple question. We know that the oral law normally expounds upon the written law. So you have, for example, in the written law it says, you shall put on tefillin. You shall put on a sign on your hands, on your eyes. What exactly does it mean? So you have pages of pages in the Talmud and chapters and chapters in the Code of Jewish Law, discussing exactly how the tefillin has to look. It has to be square. It has to have four boxes. What are the four portions that are written in the tefillin? It's a long discussion. 
So it makes sense that you need the oral law to, to basically complete the written law. But here, what is the oral law adding to the written law? The Torah says, The Kohen Godel has to atone for himself and his house. Comes along the mission that says, Don't say house, say his wife. If that's the case, the Torah could have said it itself. The Torah should have simply said, You should know. You should atone for yourself, Uva'ad ishtoi and your wife. Period. Why do you have to say your house? And then comes along the Talmud and say, don't say house, say wife. <laughs> say wife to begin with. It's simple, it's the same word, it's one word. Beisoy is four letters, ishtoi is four letters. So what's the answer? The answer is based on another teaching in the Talmud. There was a rabbi by the name of Rabbi Yaisi. Rabbi Yaisi, the tractate of Shabbos, page 118, side B, says, In all my life, I never call my wife my wife. What did he call his wife? Ella le'ishti basi. Rather, he called his wife my home. Rabbi Yoisi was a unique scholar and a unique personality, and that is, he saw the objective and the purpose of everything within creation. In other words. There are two reasons to get married. The obvious reason, companionship. To have a partner, to have a friend. That would seem to be the obvious reason. But the deeper reason and the real purpose, according to Torah, of marriage is to create a home. It's to have children and grandchildren who go in the way of Torah and mitzvahs. That is the real purpose. And therefore he never called his wife, my wife, my partner, and my friend, even though, of course, his wife was his partner. Of course, his wife was his best friend. Of course, his wife was a colleague of his. But Rabbi Yossi saw a much deeper relationship and a much greater, greater responsibility. That the wife is the CEO of the home. She's the foundation of the home. She's the mainstay of the home. And she is everything in his life. And therefore, he calls his wife, Basie, my home. Based on this, we can understand two interesting statements in, in the Talmud. Number one is, when it comes to marriage, he's standing under the chuppah, he's standing under the wedding canopy, the chasen and kala, the husband and wife. You would think, you should make a bracha. Every mitzvah, we make a bracha. You light candles Friday night, we make the bracha to light candles. You put on tefillin every day, we put on, make a bracha to put on tefillin. You eat matzah on Pesach, make the bracha. Allah hilas matzah, on the eating of matzah. How come we don't make a bracha under the chuppah? Asher kidishanu b'mesoyis of 
Kadesh Esa Isha. God who commanded me and sanctified me with his mitzvahs to sanctify and marry a woman. There's no such bracha. Why not? Because as the Rosh explains in the beginning of the tractate of Tsubis, marriage is only the introduction. It's only the beginning of the mitzvah. The objective of marriage is to have children. So we don't make the bracha at the beginning, we make the bracha at the end. Similarly, it says, Ezu chacham haroye Who is a wise person who sees the future? Now, normally you can say, who is a wise person who understands the future, who knows the future? And that would have been perhaps a more proper terminology. Yet the, the statement in the Talmud is, who is wise? Ezu chacham. One who actually sees the future. What differentiates a chacham, a real wise person, between the average person? The average person can say, yeah, I think it's going to be good, or I understand it this way. The wise person, the chacham, not only understands it, but they see the future. They see the finish line. They see the outcome. So it's so vivid that this is the only way you can do it. And this was who Rabbi Yossi was. He was an individual, a personality, that he had the quality, and he had the guidance, and he had the blessing, and he had the ability, not only to know the future, but to actually see the future. Everything he looked at in the world, he said, what is the purpose of this or that? Not only what is the purpose of how it serves me this moment, but what is the greater purpose to the global reason of creation. And that's why he called his wife his house. Says the Torah, you should know, that the Kohen God of the High Priest on the day of Yom Kippur, on this holy day, on this spiritual day, on this day of tremendous elevation and holiness and spirituality, a day of of spiritual intimacy with Almighty God, a day when we are truly elevated to a level of beyond God's name, Lefnei Hashem Titaru. On this day, the Kohen Gadol needs to be in a place and a space that his wife is not simply his friend, but he needs to be in a space that his wife is Beisoy. V'chipra ba'adoy v'ad Beisoy that every aspect of his life, from the most spiritual to the most physical, needs to be elevated on this day. And that means he has to have the ability and the vision to be able to see the purpose of everything in creation. And that is why even though the Torah could have said, you should forgive for himself and for his wife, the Torah says no. On the contrary, it's not good enough for him to forgive for his wife. He has to forgive for his wife home, because on this day you have to see your wife as a person and a personality, one who is truly beisoy, your entire home. And this in truth is a lesson for all of us for, for every day of the year, not only on Yom Kippur. As Abiyasi said, in my days I never called my wife my wife. Every day 
Rabbi Yoshi lived like a Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur. We don't have to wait for Yom Kippur to be a Kohen Gadol. We don't have to wait for Yom Kippur to be a good person. We don't have to wait for Yom Kippur to call your wife my home. But every day one has the, the opportunity and every day one has the obligation and responsibility to live on this higher, higher road, on this higher level, on this higher plateau, to truly be in a state to atone for oneself and for one's home. To end with a story of a koyin, they tell a story that in Israel there was a yid, he was married for 10 years. And the, the custom in many communities, it's not a Chabad custom, but in other communities, if a person is married for 10 years and they have no children, many times the rabbis would suggest perhaps to divorce. And this way, maybe the, the person, the father and even the mother, or the husband and the wife, would have a chance of having children. And so this fellow, after consulting with his rabbis and his yeshivas, came to the conclusion that he's going to divorce his wife. So he gives his wife a get, a divorce, and a few days later his wife calls him up and says, I'm pregnant. From you. Now, the normal reaction would be, great, we're going to get married again. Not a problem. But being that he was a Kohen, a Kohen is not allowed, not allowed to marry a divorcee. Even if the divorcee is his own wife. So now he's in trouble. So he goes around Israel to all the daily Israel, all the rabbis. We have to find some sort of a loophole to get me back into this marriage. And the rabbis say, look, we have no, we have no answer for you. It was a get. You did it with your whole heart. You both agreed to it. Nobody was coerced into it. You cannot remarry this woman. He's very, he's very sad, very beside himself, distraught, devastated, to say the least. So someone suggested maybe to go to America and, and to meet the Lubavitcher Rebbe because if somebody could truly help you, this is the one address in the world where you can find salvation. So he travels to America, and he goes online Sunday, where thousands of people would come to the Rebbe for his advice and blessing. And he goes by the Rebbe, he says one word, Rebbe, I'm a Kohen, I got divorced, my wife is pregnant, what do I do? And he's expecting the Rebbe to give him some source, some hidden source, somewhere in Puskim, that gives a, a clause that allows him to remarry his wife. And the Rebbe says to him, ask your mother. Ask your mother. What kind of halachic response is this? Ask, I travel from Israel to try to get some answer, some direction. And, and the Rebbe is telling me, ask your mother. He walks away, he's all upset. What was it all about? It's a mockery. Ask my mother. People around him see he's all upset. He's beside himself. They ask him, what's going on? 
He tells the story. They say to him, you fool. If the Rebbe said, ask your mother, pick up the phone, ask your mother. So he calls his mother. He says, Ma, I don't know why I'm calling you, but I was by the Rebbe. I told him the situation, and he said, I should ask my mother. So I'm asking you, Ma, what's the story? And the mother says, how does the Rebbe know? How does the Rebbe know? What are you talking about? What are you talking about, Ma? What you, how does the Rebbe know what? He says, how did the Rebbe know that you were adopted? <laughs> and that you're not my biological child. And in truth, you're not a Kohen. Because a Kohen goes after the father. And being that your father was not your biological father, you are not truly a Kohen. And therefore you can remarry this woman. The Rambam says any person Jew or even non-Jew, a Noahide, who dedicates their life to God, to serve God, to make the world a holier place and a more godly place, that person is like a Kohen, is like a priest. And a Kohen God, a high priest, Anyam Kippur, who goes into the Holy of Holies. We hope and pray that God will bring mercy and blessing to the world. And rebuild the third holy temple, but once again we will see the Kohen Gadol enter into the Holy of Holies.